Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Chicago City Council members have what's called aldermanic prerogative. It's authority over zoning, development, and how land is used in their wards. And it's a long, if not always popular, tradition in Chicago. In 2018, local housing and advocacy groups filed a complaint to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, to investigate whether this aldermanic power violates civil rights. Now, federal investigators say the city wrongly limited affordable housing developments across Chicago because of aldermanic prerogative, and that this is especially true in majority white wards. We spoke with two local housing advocates that filed that initial complaint with HUD. Roderick Wilson is executive director of the Lugenia Burns Hope Center, and Monica Dillon is a resident of the 41st Ward and also a member of Neighbors for Affordable Housing, a housing advocacy community organization on the northwest side. I started off by asking Rod and Monica what it was like to finally get the results of the investigation five years later and how they're feeling now. Here's Rod. Um, I'm, I'm feeling that we're finally going to get some progress on this uh, as a complainant on the Lugenia Burns Hope Center. You know, we this hasn't been a secret to anybody. You know, HUD has seen this for decades. You know, this is an old archaic process that was about machine politics. And and finally, you know, they have issue. It was not a letter finding like Brett mentioned, but it is a letter stating that they found out everything we said was going on. And so hopefully now that we can begin to get more affordable housing, get it across the city, because we're hundreds of thousands of units under what we really need. And because this practice has been keeping it at that level and growing it because certain areas of the city are just not open to this because of one person's decision. That's the alderman, mm-hmm. you know, and also it's, it's a racist practice as well as keeping black and Latinos out of certain parts of the city, um, which makes which has made Chicago the most segregated city in the country. But we haven't done anything to change that. You know, and so this hopefully this sheds more light on it and also begins to make those substantive changes that we need in our city. Yeah, we hear that so often. I I mean, I've been here three years now. Mm. Chicago is the most segregated city, you know, in this country over and over and over again. But, you know, what are the steps that we're taking to fix that, to change that? Monica, what are your thoughts, especially now hearing from HUD? Yeah, you know, it was it was really refreshing to Mm. to see that the letter that Brett you know, was able to obtain. Um, it validates everything that we've seen. Um, it validates what I've seen personally over 30 years living on the far northwest side. It's it's just impossible for us to get any affordable housing built up there. Um, we have particularly challenging what's called zoning advisory committees who, you know, who uh, hold meetings and people come out and scream and yell and carry on. Um, 
and, you know, don't want affordable housing built or even just multi-rental units built mm-hmm. uh, because they now we have, you know, affordable units attached to them through the ARO. Yeah. So, you know, it really validated everything that we've been seeing on the far northwest side. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Uh, bring us back to what was happening in the housing advocacy space leading up to filing that complaint. So I think for us, you know, we um, we had this particularly rough battle with 5150 North Northwest Highway. It was the very first. Um, uh, it was a it's a mixed use um, development, but it did have some subsidized units in it, and there was all kinds of really horrendous backlash. Um, and, you know, a lot of racial discrimination, a lot of racial animus. Um, the meetings were horrible, and um, we were very concerned. And there were, we didn't think it was going to, you know, get passed. And there were a lot of meetings, a lot of, a lot of pushback um, from the community. Uh, fortunately, at the time, we had an alderman in that ward that was, you know, particularly um, not afraid, mm-hmm. and he he really pushed through and was able to obtain the funding um, and mm-hmm. bring in the developer and. So yeah, it was it was this bright light, but it also it told us how much more work we have to do on the far north. That's one person. Side. Yeah, that's one unit, and it and it really it just had a couple dozen, you know, subsidies. When we need in this city, you know, the the CHA wait list has two hundred thousand families waiting. So we need a lot more housing, and you know, the northwest side is a beautiful place to live. There's a lot of opportunities. We have the airport, chock full of jobs. I mean, we don't understand why people are being kept away from those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, weigh in, uh, Rod. I mean, because that's alarming what we just heard, right? That wait, waiting list for, for CHA being 200,000 people. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because government is supposed to be here to uh, be here for the people, especially the most vulnerable in our community. And what we've seen in Chicago has been the opposite. So even with the alderman, and I, I want to make sure we name his name, was former alderman John Arena, who did, was the champion on this and, and ended up losing his um, his seat in city council because of this. But he didn't. But he chose not to protect this racist ideology that was pushing, being pushed at the time. And but we see it consistently, even with uh, like like you just said, it's over twenty thousand people on a Section Eight housing waiting list. Mm-hmm. You still have the regular public housing waiting list that have tens of thousands of people on it. But then we have you know notions where we're not building public housing; we're doing land swaps and land trades of public housing, giving them to billionaires over in Abla Homes, twenty five acres. It's like, but all of this is to stop folks who are low-income working families, particularly black families, from having housing in here. And because of that, we went from 52% of this population down to 28% over the last 30 to 40 years. And so we have to, government is supposed to work for us, not against us. And what has been happening is government resources have been pushing black folks out of this city for the last 30, 40 years. And that has to stop. And so now HUD has taking up this and had the courage to say something about it because it's been going on for generations. I mean, were you expecting HUD to, to pick up this investigation? 
we we did. We we were definitely worried. Because, and what are your thoughts about the fact that it, I mean this lasted five years at this point? Five years. I mean, and we laid it out. The lawyers we were working with, they did a great job. You know, Kate Walsh with National um, Lawyers Housing Project, you know, great job. When she was here, she was with Shriverson. They did a great job at laying this out. Um, the groups, you know, all involved did a great job in laying out the research and everything. So we knew we had them dead to rights. It was it wasn't a question, but. We even went through settlement talks under uh, we 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 filed it under uh, Rahm Emanuel's administration, but mm-hmm. we did under Lori Lightfoot did go into settlement talks with the city to see how we could write this. But they didn't want to do anything anything substantial. They wanted to put a band aid over it to make it seem like they're doing something, but nothing was going to really change. And then after that, it was just nothing. And then you know we've been talking to her like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And it's been like, well, we're going to do something. We're going to do something for the last two years. And finally, they have done something. And I think it's, it's fitting at, at this time because, you know, we have a new um, mayor, yeah. Mayor Johnson. So I'm, I'm, I am very um, optimistic that we're going to see those um, substantive, substantive changes that we need to see that helps him live up to his campaign promises, but also lives up to what the city needs right now. According to to previous reporting by the Chicago Sun-Times, former vice president of advocacy at the Shriver Center, Kate Walls, uh, said the city was put on notice over 50 years ago Mm -hmm. that giving city council members automatic prerogative over zoning would be a civil rights violation. Talk more about that, Monica. Why would you say this is a civil rights violation? Yeah, I mean, right now, you know, um, especially, well, for a couple reasons. Um, we're seeing that black and brown families don't have space in our in Northwest Side communities. And it does, it does uh, prevent them from these opportunities for jobs and, and other things. Um, what, yeah, I, maybe Rod, maybe you have um, a better idea how like the direct impact. I mean, I just think when you have, um, when you let something like this happen mm-hmm. and let it sit and fester, because what it's saying is you black family, you can't live in this community. Yeah. You know, that's what it's saying. Mm-hmm. And when you let that ideology sit there, one is redlining is discrimination is racist, all these different things that go against all federal policy. What happened but, to that notice that the city was given over 50 years ago? I have no idea. Probably yeah. nothing. You know, they, they got the notice, but they didn't do anything. Everything's politics, you know, so who knows? Another important point that we need to talk about is um, how this relates to segregation, right? As we've talked about. Um, and I think segregation, but also when you let something like this happens, it it feeds that racist ideology that now because you're saying this as a black family, we can't live here. Mm-hmm. Now, when we drive through that community, what happens to us? Now we're being pulled over. Then it, then it, it perpetuates to the point that now we're being thrown rocks at. You know, all this stuff doesn't happen just all of a sudden. It uh, It's allowed to fester, and then it perpetuates, you know, racism and also then all this violence and all, all those mm-hmm. things. We as a society have to grow up. We have to mature and recognize every human, every person that is born has certain rights and they and no government, no nothing else, no business venture. None of that should, should step on those rights yeah. and affordable and quality housing anywhere for everyone is a right that we have to have just because we're born human. 
And that's what we that's what we're not getting because every time all of them said we don't want affordable housing and no we and they know that there's a deficit of affordable housing, they know people need it, yeah. then they're saying that, you know, we don't value those people. And that's and that's the thing that's not right. And that's the thing that should disqualify them from being a city council member. You have some thoughts, Monica? Yeah, you know, when you ask the question, it, what came to mind is this quote, and this is a quote from my alderman in the 41st Ward, Alderman Anthony Napolitano. Mm. This was a quote that he said after um, a, a development was shot down by the Zoning Advisory Committee and it never w- moved forward. He said, you have a lot of people here who work for the city, and when they come back home, they want it to be their sanctuary, Napolitano said. People are paying a lot to live in this neighborhood exactly as it is. And they don't necessarily want to see it filled with multi-unit rental buildings. So, I mean... What does that say to you? Uh, I think it's it's veiled racism. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what it is. It's more of this restrictive, you know, these restrictive policies, um, these restrictive ho- housing development policies that hurt people, that mm-hmm. hurt especially black and brown families. Yeah, it's coded talk. It's the same talk that Trump it's, uses all the time. Yeah. You know, we don't want black and Latinos in our community. That's all that's saying. Monica you, said veiled, and I, my thought was, is it? It's, right. it's, it's quite obvious, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll leave it there. Monica Dillon is of Neighborhoods, or Neighbors, rather, for Affordable Housing, a uh, housing community organization on the northwest side, and Rod Wilson of the Lugenia Burns Hope Center. Thank you both so much. Oh, thank you for having us. This episode was produced and edited by Micah Yason. If you like the conversation, we host interviews on the topics most impacting Chicagoans each weekday from 11 to 1. You can check out our full catalog of interviews at wbez.org slash reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.